Thank you for your word. Just ask that you would speak to us right now tonight. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we just ask God that you would deposit everything that you want to do. The world bombards us from the outside in to try to conform us to the world, the rules, the laws, the regulations, just everything. But Father, we're going to be judged by your word. So your word transforms us from the inside out, renews our mind. So we say, Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Father, transform us. Our goal is to become more like you, Jesus. So tonight, we asked that that would take place, even if it's a little bit. We say, we want a lot, but we say, we take anything that you want to give us, God, any way that you want to touch us, any way that you want to transform us. Have your way tonight in this place. Pray a special blessing on our guests. Lord, we just want them to feel loved and at home, and we just ask that you administer to them tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... I'm in a series right now, of course, with the band is All In. Will you say that with me, All In? And uh, I presented a question to you every weekend. Have you ever pushed all of your chips into the middle? Have you, as a follower of Jesus, don't get used to that question, right? I'm going to keep drilling you with it. Have you pushed your chips in. Have you went all in? I think that if you've watched the news this week, and I've been kind of shouting it, maybe not always screaming it, but it's important in this day and time that you and I as believers live all in. See what happened in Oregon, the shooting. I saw an interview of, a, of one of the daughters who was shot that she expressed to her dad what took place. The dad expressed on CNN saying that uh, the guy walked in, immediately shot the, 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 the professor, and then went down the row asking people what their belief system was. People would say, I'm a Christian. And he would tell them, according to this guy's testimony from the daughter, well, you're going to meet your God in about one minute. You're a Christian, and he would kill them. I'm letting you know today, Remind, let me just remind you what I've been saying. You, you better be ready to be all in in this day and time. All in. Not just in an Eastern nation, not just in a Muslim nation, but wherever you live, I think God is calling me and you to live a life that's all in. Tonight I want to talk to you about that. Are you all in? Are you all in like Noah, building a massive boat before it had ever even rained on the face of the earth? He went all in. What if he wouldn't have went all in? We have people like Moses. God challenged him. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. That brother was all in to go to his uh, stepfather to say, let my people go. Like Caleb, like last week I talked about, give me my hill country, give me my mountain. He went all in. He was wholehearted, the Bible said. Like God's people marching around Jericho, these folks were all in. Like Daniel praying, breaking the law. The law had been established, and he continued to pray three times a day. And where was he thrown into? A lion's den. Come on, that takes a little bit all in right there, yo. That's all in. Uh, I asked the interns to put together a video. Uh, I'm doing a, a Lostology class with them. I teach a class called Lostology. And uh, I love Lostology. We we're raising up some Lostologists in the house. You don't know what a Lostologist is? Well, I might put them on the spot tonight uh, just, to, just to drill them a little bit to see what they've learned in the area of Lostology. But I have asked this Lostology class to put together a class on going out, touching people's life, and seeing what people are all in for. If you'll hit the lights, if you'll hit that video, this is some of this. you got to listen real close. The video's not perfect, but they, they did a great job. Let's see what people say they're all in about.
Come on. for what are you all in ask your neighbor right now what are you all in for go ahead that's okay ask your neighbor what are you all in for so so will you answer that question we have a value at heart of the city church would you say this with me the gospel we have a value for the gospel. We have the value for evangelism. In our core class, if you go through and I encourage, let me just give you a little commercial for our core class. If you're new, which we have lots of new people, that core class runs on a Sunday at 10 a.m. in the uh, uh, prayer room. We, we invite you to go in there uh, first four Sundays of the week so that you can, four, yeah, first four Sundays of the, of the month so that you can you can find out what our cores as one of our cores is evangelism is is preaching the gospel is getting the gospel of Jesus out all we're all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ we're all in we we if you come here you're going to probably hear the gospel preached almost every service because we're all in come on somebody say all in all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ you could call it the Jesus news he was named Emmanuel because he was God with us Jesus, we're all about the gospel because Jesus was all about the gospel. How many of you know that? Jesus was all about the gospel. He was all about sharing the gospel. We possess the greatest news on the face of the entire earth. You possess the greatest news. I mean, more than any scientific or technology breakthrough ever, you possess it. I think we should act like it. I think our faces should look like it. I think, come on somebody, I think we should talk like it. I think that not just putting on an act, but you hold, you possess the greatest news on the entire face of the earth. There will never be another terrorist if the gospel of Jesus Christ gets in their heart. There will never be another shooter in our world, come on somebody, if the gospel of Jesus, there will never be another addict if the gospel of Jesus Christ gets in their heart. Come on, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can change the heart of man. It's not, how, how many of you figured out, it's not politics. It's not the economy. It's not if you're Democratic or Republican or Independent or Communist or, come on, it's if you are a believer, follower of Jesus Christ and he lives inside of you. I haven't seen anything else that can change a man other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest news on the face of the earth. And by the way, it's free. I know it's ridiculous that it's free. It's too good to be true that it's free, but it's free. And we, we possess that. Listen to a, a, a couple of quotes here. First of all, Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and pre... Oh, J.O., I've heard that a hundred times in church. Well, maybe, just maybe, a hundred and one times... We will be convinced to walk in it. We will have more of a conviction to walk in it and live it and do it wherever we go. Come on. When God opens the doors and, 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 and God puts people in our, in our past, he says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Come on. Look at the creature next to you. Just say, go ahead. Just say, preach the gospel. Come on. Come on. Tell them. Come on. Put a smile. Elbow them. Come on. Give them a kiss. Whatever it takes. Pre tell that creature right there. I got a, I got a couple of beautiful quotes here by, by some different folks in the spirit of the gospel. Listen to this one by John Calvin. Go with me now. Listen real close. The gospel is not a doctrine of the tongue, 
but of life. It cannot be grasped by reason and memory only, but is fully understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. David Platt said, if we were left, if we were left to ourselves with the task of taking the gospel to the world, we would immediately begin to planning innovative strategies and plotting elaborate schemes. We would organize conventions, develop programs, and create foundations. But Jesus is so different from us. With the task of taking the gospel to the world, he wandered through the streets and byways. All he wanted was a few men who would think as he did, love as he did, see as he did, teach as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few, and they would impact the world. And by the way, that was a beautiful strategy. And by the way, it worked. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that strategy. The church wouldn't exist today. It worked then, and it works now. We wonder the streets. We wonder the NIC campus. We wonder at work, and we wonder wherever we are, and we continue to share this gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. That strategy still exists to this day. Here's a beautiful quote by Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus has got some beautiful quotes about the gospel? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, code red, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You may not know Jesus tonight. You're going to have a beautiful opportunity. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you've never known him. Maybe you knew him when you were small. You're going to have an opportunity in just a few minutes to get back in relationship with him. We'd love to pray with you. Listen to what John Wels uh, Wellesley says. He says, you have one business on earth to save souls. Listen to the Apostle Paul, Romans 1.16. Oh, I just like Romans 1.16. All I need is 116. Oh, y'all ain't never heard that song, but we'll go ahead. <laughs> Apostle Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Listen to George Whitefield. He said, We must all have the spirit of martyrdom. This is pretty radical. Listen to that. We must all have the spirit of water, martyrdom, though we may not all die as martyrs. And I thought, whoo, that's an all-in quote right there, yo. What does that mean? That means that we're willing to lay our lives down like Christ did. No greater love than a man lay his life down for another. Amen. That's, that's a little radical. We think radical, and Jesus would say, mm, that's pretty normal. That's what Christianity this walking with Christ is all about. We are a gospel-centered church. I'm telling you, there's a thread in everything that we do that has the gospel connected to it. If we, if, you know, on October the 31st, when we rent the fairground, you've never been to our fall festival out there at the fairground, I want to let you know there's a thread that runs through that. It may look a little crazy and having a lot of good times and talking to a lot of people and music, but the thread that runs through that fall festival is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to make uh, opportunities to have relationships and reach out to families in our communities so that we can share the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because because we are a Jesus-centered church, and Jesus was a gospel-centered God, so that makes us a gospel-centered church. And we're all about the gospel because Jesus is all about the gospel. Let me give you Jesus' mission statement. There's a, there's a, do me a favor, look excited tonight. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That helps me so much. I say the mission statement, and people are like, my, this is the mission statement of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus came on the face of the earth. Are you ready for this? Come on, this is Jesus' mission statement. If you don't do anything else, at least write down the address. Come on, somebody. Please bring notes. Come on, bring your Bible. Come on. 
Come on, look at, look at the, the mission of Jesus Christ. Luke, uh, no, no, let me just ask the lastologist for a moment. Stephen, Stephen, what is the mission of Jesus Christ, Mr. Lastologist Stephen? That's, give him a hand. He's really, really close. I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. Now, a lostologist from last year, Nate, can you finish that scripture just a little more thoroughly? Not, not a, I'm not slamming on you because you're right there, but just a little more thoroughly, can you share with us? To seek and save that which was lost. To seek and save that which was lost. That, that's not a blow on you, bro. You're right there. Stephen is an amazing lostologist, if you don't know that. That brother's on the streets preaching the gospel. I walk into the gym and people know this guy named Stephen. You know why? Because he's a great lostologist. Look at this. Luke 10, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. How many are you glad that he came and seeked and saved you? Come on, somebody. Come on. You should be going nuts for that. He sought you out. Oh, J.O., I came to church and I found Jesus. You didn't find Jack. You ain't found Jesus. He found, he sought you out. You're here tonight because he sought you. You're here. Oh, I'm here because somebody brought me here. I want to let you know right now, you're here in this moment in time because Jesus has sought you out. He continually seeks us out. Come on, somebody. He came to seek and save that which was lost. I'm glad that he sought me out and he saved my life. I remember when people came knocking, walking out of a Bon Jovi concert, and some kid slaps a, a, a track on my chest. I read, I, I, man, I wanted to snap his little neck. But I, I, read that, I read that track the next morning in my dorm room, and I want to let you know I began to weep in my dorm room from the conviction of that track right there because the gospel was written on that track. Come on. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he still does it today. He walks the streets of Coeur d'Alene. He walks the, the hallways of Coeur d'Alene High and Lake City High and middle schools and elementary, your workplace, the hospital. I don't care where you are. The state highway patrol in your car. He walks the streets today still seeking and saving those who are lost. Come on. That's the mission. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. And guess who's to carry that mission? You and I. Man, when you walk into a room, Jesus walks in the room. When you walk into the classroom, Jesus is in that classroom because he dwells inside. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on. There's no way they can keep prayer out of the school as long as you're in the school. Remember the demon-possessed man? How many of you remember the story of the demon-possessed man? 6,000 demons in a man. I don't even know how 6,000 demons can squeeze up in a man. I don't even know how that works. But you know what Jesus did? Just this for free. Jesus is ministering to the multitude of people. He gets in a boat, travels across a body of water, call it an ocean, a sea, a lake, whatever it may be, to another land... Remember, he just absolutely leaves a ministry, travels across this body of through a storm, gets out on the shore, and a naked, crazy, jacked up, demon-possessed, cutting himself, tomb dweller meets him there. Well, what's that got to do with it? Because Jesus crossed that sea to seek out one guy. One, the power of one. He sought that guy. He looked at that guy, cast 6,000, a legion of demons out of that man. Before you know it, that guy is set it. He's setting beside Jesus, uh, fully clothed in his right mind, and the entire, everyone around him is going crazy because they're like, wow, what's, I mean, they were scared out of their wits because of what just took place. And then this guy, he travels to about 10 towns or regions. He wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus says, no, no, you go ahead and you go and tell everybody what I've done for you. Come on. And then he goes, Jesus goes back and ministers to the multitude again. My point is that he sought out 
probably the scare, one of the scariest guys on the face of the earth. Somebody, when you would see him, you're like, oh, wow. I'm going to church. Right? And Jesus crosses an ocean to get to that guy. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Luke 4, 43. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because this purpose I have come. We have a philosophy here of preaching the gospel, but not just, period, the gospel. But we have a philosophy of 2020. Will you say that with me, 2020? When I put these on, I got 2020, right? I see really nicely far and near. We have a philosophy of reaching those who are near to us and those who are far from us. Remember, it's all about people. Will you say that with me, people? people. It's all about people. Right. Willie Nelson sang a song, and you've heard me sing it before. I'm going to sing it again. You're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. He's talking about a woman there. I'm talking about people. Listen to the first verse of that song. You ready for that? Listen. Forget a woman. Forget some crazy woman he's chasing after. Not all women are crazy. Don't, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Just, you know, you know Willie. And listen to the song that he writes. Listen to what he says. Think about the loss. Think about people as I sing this verse. Maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should have. Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have. Little things I should have said and done. I just never took the time. You're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. Think about that when it comes to the lost. Never took the time. Think about that when it comes to people. Come on. We can reach a city, church. We can reach our city. Listen to Acts 1, 4 through 5. It's going to be behind me. Once when they were eating with him, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John the Baptist with water, John baptized you with water. In just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Bam! There was, a, a, there was a, a being a born again, a believing. There was a water baptism. There was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. After being born again, Jesus breathed on the disciples. If you remember that in the scriptures, I believe they were born again when he breathed upon them. After that, water baptism. But they waited on this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now look what took place, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. Will somebody say power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. There's a purpose for power. It's not just to say, I got the power. There's a, there's a purpose that God wants to empower you by his Holy Spirit. What is the purpose? He wants you to be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know what that word, here we go again, you know what that word uh, witnesses mean? That word witnesses in the Greek is martyr. Wow. Woo. That's pretty, pretty challenging. That's, a, that's an all-in kind of word, isn't it? <laughs> I want you to be, hey, I want you to go in all the world, preach the gospel. I want you uh, to be, uh, the power of God comes upon you so you can be martyrs for me. Wow. Pretty radical, huh? Witnesses where? Number one, everyone say Jerusalem. Boy, somebody's just playing. This. A phone is just going off. I don't mind a phone in church as long as it's Jesus, right? No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. God bless you. First of all, witnesses where? Everyone say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Let's break that down. Where's our Jerusalem? Coeur d'Alene right here, Kootenai County. That's, where, that's a place where we witness. That's where we reach people. Winton is part of our Jerusalem. Come on. We've been reaching people since the day that we planted this church nine years ago. We planted this church in July, and then in September we had our first outreach. 
Come on. We want to reach our Jerusalem. And then it says Samaria. I, I, I think of Samaria is cross-culturally. And then it says, you, well, let me give you an example of Samaria. Remember Jesus meeting the woman at the well? John chapter 4. That's a good, that's a good picture of Jerusalem, Samaria. He went to a, a, a country, a cross-cultural. He goes there, has a, 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 just an amazing encounter with this woman at the well begins to prophesy over her they go she goes testifies people get saved in Samaria he goes turns this city upside down for the kingdom of God come on Samaria cross culture then ends of the earth we got our team back from Ethiopia you know that's that's that could be kind of if you live in Coeur d'Alene that could be kind of the ends of the earth you're going to hear from my son in just a few minutes. He's going to share a little bit on Ethiopia and an ex exhortation, and then he's going to close the service. I don't really think a person can go, well, I, I, you know, I kind of like this Jesus thing, you know, the gift of grace, and uh, I'm forgiven, and I got my get-out-of-jail-free card, and I got going to heaven, and Jesus is my homeboy. But this witness thing, this witness thing, telling people about Jesus, I don't really, I'm not really down with that. I, you know, I want to be, I want to, I want to go to church and stuff, but I don't want to be radical. I don't think that we can say that, you guys. Yeah. Jesus said this, follow me. Somebody finish that for me. I'll make you what? If you're following Jesus, you're fishing. So one of my jobs is get you fishing. Come on, you guys, I'm glad. One of my jobs is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You may have all kinds of gifts. You may be, well, J.O., I'm, I'm a prophet. J.O., I'm more of a teacher. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay home and read and intercede and pray and do all that. But every believer is called to fish. He said it. Jesus said it. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. When a person is born once, it's all about them. When they're born twice or born again, it's no longer about you. You're not the center of the universe. It's about reaching the people in this world. It's about when you're born twice, you die to self and you die to sin. And it's all about reaching those around us. Amen? Amen? Come on. Mark Batterson used a term called the inverted gospel in this book, All In. The inverted gospel is not Christ-centered, but it's me-centric. Mark says, it's less about us serving his purposes and more about him serving our purposes. That's the inverted gospel. I want to read three short paragraphs. Most people in the churches think they are following Jesus, but I'm not sure. They may think they're following Jesus, but the reality is they've invited Jesus to follow them. They call him Savior, but they've never surrendered him to his Lord. And I was one of them, trust me, I didn't want to go anywhere without Jesus right there behind me. But I wanted Jesus to follow me to serve my purposes, to do my will. It wasn't until I was 19 years old, a freshman in the University of Chicago, and had a corpaconic revolution. You'd have to read that to know what that's about. It started with this question, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? That's a dangerous question to ask, but not nearly as dangerous as not to ask the question. I got tired of calling the shots, Honestly, I wasn't very good at playing God. Plus, it was exhausting. I stopped trying to find myself and decided to seek God. I couldn't read his word enough. I got up early to pray and even fasted for the first time in my life. I meant business. In fact, business as usual went out of business. For the first time in my life, I put him first. You know, Jesus is not asking us to, I wish I had a baseball bat, could kind of give you, a, you know, an example. He's not asking us to take a baseball bat and 
hit people upside the head and tell them, hey, you're going to hell on a grease pole or anything like that. <laughs> right? He, he, Jesus takes a little bit and does a lot with it. No, no, no listen. He, he gives us examples. Jesus makes things so beautifully simple for us. He says things like this, Matthew 5, 13. You're the salt of the earth. How many of you take your burger and go, well, I'm just going to put a pound of salt on that burger right there. <laughs> Don't you just usually sprinkle a little salt on there? He calls you the salt of the earth. Go ahead, tell your neighbor right now, you're salt. You need to shake it, baby. Wherever you go, shake it. Colossians 4, 6 says this, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer. Jesus talks about seeds. He talks about salts. He talks about us being those who plant seeds. Luke, uh, the beginning of Luke 8, 5 says, Asura went out to sow his seeds. All these are very, very little things that mean, listen, my greatest concern is people been in church for 40 years and they've heard these scriptures and they still don't do nothing with them. Come on, come on, come on. We can make a difference now. You can make a difference now. You can go all over this community, wherever you go, and be that salt. You can go and you can plant these seeds. Come on, near is our Jerusalem. Winton is our Jerusalem. We want to go in and bless our community and help those in need, period. But let me tell you another thing. This is no manipulation. When you go in and you do those things, I want to let you know, God opens doors for us, doesn't he, Craig? God opens doors. Why, what, what, why is those doors so important? The relationships we build at Winton or wherever it is where we're sowing and we're reaching people because it's one thing to put a book into someone's heart in, in their hand. It's another thing to put Jesus in their heart. And God wants to use you and I to do those things. I think we always want people, wherever we're trying to reach out to folks, we want them to ask us this. Why are you doing that? Why? Why would you do that? And people do ask us that. Why, why would you do that? Why would you give the dream list to every teacher? And why would you do that? You know, you know why I think we want them to ask us why? So that we could tell them the who. They ask us why so that we can point them to the who. And it makes all the difference in the world. Come on, every person needs Jesus. We want to be those that spread that salt and seeds everywhere we go. Listen, I said it before. Let me say it one more time. We have the best news on the face of the earth. Let me, let me just give you some words when it comes to the gospel. Love, forgiveness, grace, gift, free, life, truth, freedom, liberty, salvation, par paradise. Jesus, it, I'm about out of time. That's okay, it's Saturday night, Seth. You take your time, Saturday night. Everyone say Saturday night. Everyone say grace, grace. I don't have that grace, grace in the morning at 8 o'clock, 8.30 and 10, but Saturday night I do, amen. There's three parables in Luke 15. And the reason why there's three parables in Luke 15 is because he's addressing the Pharisees and the scribes. They come to him and they say, you eat with tax collectors. You eat with sinners. You know, there's a covenant of assault. The covenant of assault is when you eat with someone in that culture is that it's friendship and there's forgiveness. Jesus was eating with these people, the Pharisees and this, the, the scribes and the religious people are going crazy. He shares with them three parables. Why? Because he was rebuking them. He was rebuking because their heart wasn't for the lost. And the three parables was the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. Because he was trying to take them, hardened heart, put EKGs on it, and break open the hardness and the crust. Amen? I think we prayed for that tonight, didn't we? So that they could hear the gospel. Because he knows that if the gospel gets into the heart of man, it changes everything. 
changes that man, it changes that woman, it changes that marriage, it changes those children, it changes the community, it changes our school, it changes the place where you work, it changes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Far and near. Come on, 2020. Would you welcome my son back from Ethiopia? Hello. Hello. Um, it's good to see all of you guys. It's so good to be back. Um, September 14th, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go with a team to Ethiopia um, on a mission to encourage uh, native church planters there with an organization called New Covenant. Um, it was a tremendous time. Can you show the first picture? Yes. So this is the team. Um, Karen, Emily, my wife. Ashley, myself, and then our guide and translator, Garidu, and he was the bee's knees. He was incredible. Um, but this is, this is us praying over some of, the, some of the people who, some of the ministers at the First Church Planners um, ch Church. Um, we, for those of you who don't know, we actually work with New Covenant to uh, financially support two um, native church planters in Ethiopia. Um, and we got to visit both of those church planners, um, and we got to pray with them and worship with them and, and uh, speak words over them. Can you show the first, uh, I mean, sorry, the second photo? This is the first, the first church planner. Um, this is Dawit and his wife, Nesanet. Um, they uh, minister in a city called Sebeta, and, or Sebeta, and uh, they have faced tremendous um, persecution, like, like you don't even know, just very straight face talking about how he's been beat. Um, and ostracized, and he's just so full of joy that he's, wow. uh, he has the opportunity to continue to do the, the work of, of Christ. Um, so that was the, the first, the first uh, church planner couple. Can you show the other one? This one, we didn't actually get a picture with just my wife and I and, and them, but this is Adane uh, and his wife. I didn't actually ever figure out how to say his wife's name um, and then their daughter. Um, they are in a place called Nazareth, um, not Nazareth like in, you know, Israel, but Nazareth in Ethiopia. Um, another church planner, precious, precious people. We actually saw them near the end of our trip, um, but we got to pray with them and not just them, but actually some of their church leadership. And we actually held like a little mini service with them as well, which was awesome. Uh, we had such a blast. Um, this was my first time going on a trip that was, I should say, specifically and only missions. I had been on other trips uh, where we did some missions work, but it wasn't the primary purpose. So this, this was a completely uh, new thing for me, and it was the first time I'd been to Africa. And for those of you who haven't been to Africa, it is completely, completely different from the United States. Um, I can't even explain how different and opposite the culture is. Um, of course, you're always going to find similarities with just, you know, being human, but just the hospitality and the kindness and the warmness and just how long it takes to greet someone. And it, it just, people will just straight up kiss you on your cheek first time you meet them and just hold you, just hug you and just like hold you there. First time you meet, there's no, there's no reason. You haven't earned it. Uh, you haven't earned their love, but they just automatically love you as soon as you get there. It was, it was incredible. Um, and like I think most people on the trip, uh, while I was there, I, I, of course, felt drawn to return um, to the mission field, as it were, to return not only to Ethiopia, but to go, to go out, to go to the ends of the earth. Um, I certainly felt that, uh, a, a passion inside me, a fire inside me that says, oh, I want to reach these people and more people again. I want to go into these different cultures and see how Jesus' kingdom, Jesus kingdom is being built there. And, and what's beautiful is that sometimes we get, we get caught up in, in the U.S. and we think that like maybe the, the, the church in the U.S. is the, is the church, is the, is the universal church. Actually, I think my wife made this point. But then you go into another nation and you see what the church looks like there and they're just as much a part of us as the neighboring church in Coeur d'Alene. There's just as much a part of us we're all a part of that body and, it, and it's so beautiful to see the way that God operates there because it is different from here the culture is so so different and it's beautiful but even more so than it, than than the fire that it, it started inside of my heart or maybe continued to burn inside of my heart to to return to Ethiopia to return to Africa to go to the ends of the earth I got really convicted 
about how I was living here. Maybe not in a, a sin way, or at least in a, a sin of commission way. But I noticed that it was so easy for me to greet people there. So easy for me to, to just love on people and, and show joy that, that I could be in their presence and just and minister to people by just having simple conversations with them. And I, just, and I thought back to how I uh, treat people that I interact with here all the time. And I, I think, why would I be so cold in my own, in my own culture? If you could put up Acts uh, one chapter eight. I'm sorry, chapter one, verse eight again. I know that we've already talked about it, but I want to look about it, look at it a little bit differently again. It should be right there. Yeah, Acts one eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When I was when I was in Ethiopia. The greater conviction that was on my heart was not that, oh, man, I need to make sure I go to more nations as much as it was, Seth, I've, I've already put you in a place to minister. And, and I don't want to make it sound like I never have a heart of compassion for people and I never minister to people because it's not, it's not that kind of thing that happened inside of my heart. But what happened in my heart is that I realized that I had been building up this trip to Ethiopia and going, oh, when I get there, I'm going to minister so much. I'm going to be so free to, to give people my heart, to give people my joy, to give people my strength as soon as I get there. But for some reason, I'm conserving it the whole time when I'm here, saving up as if God's not going to fill me up again tomorrow. And God put this verse upon my heart, actually, and then, and then my dad was like, hey, you should share on Acts 1-8 when you get back. I was like, Perfect. And I want to look at it in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think my dad has a beautiful interpretation of, of what that means for us, but I look at it a little bit differently. Jerusalem being our city, like he said, Judea being our, our region, and then Samaria being our neighboring region, and that region could be nation or state or however you want to look at it, and then to the ends of the earth being overseas or whatnot, to a country far away. I wouldn't say necessarily Mexico, but I would say, you know, Ethiopia or, or, or Russia or something like that. That would be what I would define as to the ends of the earth. But then I was thinking about it, and I, and I broke it down into four parts in my head. I just, these four elements. I, I, the thing about Jesus and the thing about the word of God is I don't think that any, not one word that Jesus said was misplaced. I don't think one word was by accident. I think every single thing that came out of Jesus's mouth was intentional, and we're supposed to read it as is. We're supposed to look at it and we go, wait, you know what? I better pay attention to that little part. Because Jesus was perfect. He dwelt among us and he never sinned. Even though he had all the temptations, he never sinned. And so I believe that every word that he spoke was well-placed. And not just well-placed, but perfectly placed. And so I want to look at those words again in Jerusalem, in my city, of course. In Judea, my region. In Samaria, the neighbor, neighboring region. And to the ends of the earth. But then I looked at that and I thought, how often is it that we go, I'm going on this missions trip, or I, I can't wait to go on a missions trip. And then I ask, well, okay, what's that mean? Oh, yeah, I'm going to Brazil. The truth is, not for everyone, but for almost every person in this room and almost every person that reads this scripture throughout the world, they're going to spend the majority of their life in Jerusalem, or if not, in the, the majority of their life in Judea. And yet, we're spending the majority of our focus waiting to be sent to this far off land and then maybe we're going to be able to pour out at that point. If we don't minister in Jerusalem, if we don't have a passion and a fire in Jerusalem, we're going to miss the majority of God's plan for our life. Not just a part of it, not just a fourth of it. And, and I, I recognize that there's going to be people who are called in the missions field for the majority of their life and hallelujah, that's going to be great permanent missionaries. Awesome, I know some, and that's great. And that this, this word really doesn't apply to them. That's awesome, keep going. Now, I would m maybe argue that once they're permanent missionaries, that actually that becomes their Jerusalem, but I'm not gonna go there. But for most of us, we're gonna spend most of our lives in Jerusalem and in Judea. And if we're waiting for to the ends of the earth, we're gonna miss the majority of, of what God has for us. And I was, this, was, this moved so powerfully upon my heart, and I was so deeply convicted going, God, my God, 
what have, what have I been doing? How have I been thinking? How have I been approaching, approaching missions, as it were? Missions. If you'd stand with me. We're called to be living on mission in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Not just to the ends of the earth. Not just Samaria. Not just Samaria. If you guys would bow your heads, uh, close your eyes with me. Um, I've been gone for a little bit, so I've actually missed part of this series, but <clears throat> something that's been naturally occurring in this series is that in something that we want to carry forth is that we don't want, we don't want there to be a, a single service where an opportunity is not given to start the mission. And I want to look back at this verse again. Can you put that up again, please? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that is also extremely important. If we're trying to live on mission and we haven't received the Holy Spirit, if we haven't, if we haven't even began our, our relationship with Jesus, we're not even, if, if, when we try to go on mission, it's like walking to a battlefield with no armor and no weapons. So tonight, I, I think it's really important that, a, that an opportunity is, is given and that a question is asked, do you know, do you know the mission giver? Not have you heard about him or do you know about him? If you guys would close your eyes and bow your heads with me, please. I'm not asking if you heard his story. I'm not asking if you grew up in the church. I'm not asking if you've experienced his presence before. I'm asking you if you know him. I'm asking you if you know him. Because if you know him, then, then if you don't know him, then, then a lot of what I just said shouldn't make sense to you. But if you do know him, then, then you understand exactly what I'm saying about living on mission. Because like my dad said, if you're following Jesus, you're fishing. He came to seek and save which was lost. And if we don't know him, friends, we're lost. I don't care what the news tells you. I don't care what the media tells you. There's but one way to the Father, and that is through his Son. So I want to give you the opportunity tonight to be bold. If you have not began that journey, began that mission with Christ, if you, have not, if you cannot say tonight, yes, I know him, I know him, I'd ask you to be bold and lift your hand. No one's watching you. I can wait a little bit. Jesus waits a little bit for us. Jesus waits a lot of bit. If you've never, if you, if you can't say, I know him, I know him, I've been with him, I know him. He's my Jesus, he's my Lord, he's my Savior. Just raise your hand. The, sec the second thing I want to ask is if you can say, yes, you know, I have had a relationship with Jesus. But it's complicated now. I wouldn't say we're necessarily together. I wouldn't say I'm walking with him. I wouldn't say he's my daily bread. I wouldn't say he's my one and only. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't quite call him Lord over everything in my life. And you want to change that. I ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, I can wait. He can wait. Thank you.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for drawing hearts tonight. We thank you that you seek us in the darkest place, Lord, that you would leave the, 91, the 99 to find the one. You would come and find me.